Hello there. These are the Tales Vinyl Tells. I'm Brian Hallgren. Here on Tales Vinyl Tells, play some album cuts and bring you some artists that you might or might not know. And I'll share some history and even do some storytelling from the late 60s toward today. Albums that are also known as long-playing records, LPs, or vinyls are making a big comeback and have been for some time now. Some of mine date back to over 50 years ago. My album collection dwindled, but it was saved by my good friend David about 20 years ago, and I've been fortunate enough to get them back, and now I'm sharing them with you, along with other tunes from other sources. So these are the tales that a vinyl album tells. It's Tales Vinyl Tells. The U.S. Department of Vinyl Records reminds you that this episode and every episode of Tales Vinyl Tells is more enjoyable and more fun if you'll just turn the volume up. Again, and welcome back to Tales Vinyl Tales. It's another fun day here at Tales Vinyl Tales. 
I'm Brian, and I'm in the fun room. With more than a few classics on hand with me today from my LPs and other sources, we're going to venture into the time machine and hear some of the greatest music recorded from the 60s and 70s mostly. This episode, I have a chat with my friend of five decades gone by. Bill Davis is on the line. And our friendship started at a radio station in South Florida and continues today. And it's really a lot of fun to hear what's on his mind and find out what he's doing and what he has done. So we are having hot fun in the summertime with Sly and you and me and Bill Davis. Welcome once again. It's Tales Vinyl Tells. And I've got an interview with a, I won't say an old friend of mine, but definitely a good friend of mine that I've known for a long, long time. Bill Davis, welcome. Well, I think, I think old friend is appropriate, Brian. <laughs> it's been, uh, it, we've known each other 50 years. Yeah, old, longer than I've had some of these albums, and some of these albums are definitely classic, so we have a classic friendship. How's that? Yeah, yeah. well, you were, you were a kid when I met you. I know. You were the youngest uh, DJ at the radio station. Yeah. Uh, yes, I was. In fact, I graduated from high school in June, and I went to work over on Lake Worth Beach at WQXT in August. And the radio station we're talking about, uh, not so much WQXT, but WMUM, Mother that came on the air spring of 70 spring okay okay so it was like six months later nine months later or whatever and you and you worked on the, at the am station i was on the am and i don't know if i ever told you the story i was working on the am station my brother and i split weekend shift one of us worked from sign on 6 a.m to 3 p.m and the other worked three to midnight over on the fm side which was a hundred thousand watts of just incredible, powerful FM signal was playing Montavani and, you know, a hundred strings or whatever it was. Well, I went over one evening and I had the single of Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. I played it on the wonderful world of stereo before, before it was mother. And I never heard anything about it. So apparently nobody was listening to that station before it was mother. And then of course, a lot of people were listening after that. Quite a few people did. Go ahead. You played the first rock song on Mother. Be- before it was Mother. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you, you sort of you inseminated it. You, that, that, that's how it began. Hmm, okay. I'll go with that. And it's interesting to hear some of the feedback from people who are tuning into Tales Final Tales from West Palm Lake or that area. And they, um, you know, they remember Mother fondly. And uh, there is also a Facebook page with uh, WBUS, Zeta 4, WMUM. Have you yeah, seen it? Yeah, I belong to it. Yeah, okay. That's right, because I do remember you did feed in, I don't know, a month or so ago. That's that's true. So that's something if people are interested in the evolution of progressive rock, album rock, whatever you want to call it, back in the late 60s, early 70s.
took month long vacations in the stratosphere And you know it's really hard to hold your breath Swear I lost everything up from the boss and 1973 is mentioned in this next segment as Springsteen sings. He's a struggling, unrecognized, and relatively unknown artist at the time, but he's ready for addition. This is Tales Vinyl Tells. Much of my conversation with our guest today somehow follows a lot of the storyline in H.B. Halsey's ebook, High Seas and Green Trees. I penned that under that name, and I'm just curious how that storyline happened. My guest this episode is Bill Davis. He and I worked with our friend Gil Colquitt at a couple of radio stations in South Florida in the early 70s. Gil was the oldest of us, had an incredible spirit and incredible musical knowledge, and Bill told me about Gil later working for Columbia Records in New York City back in the 80s and 90s, promoting musical acts on vinyl, like Springsteen and his E Street Band. He had what, you know, he had such a, a complete library in his head, and I see some of these albums coming back out, <clears throat> you know, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember John Martin that did Solid Air, uh, I've come across that album, and it's pretty amazing. I was first turned on to that by listening to, to Gil. He said, uh, let me show you something here. He shows me an album. He says, look at the lyrics on the back of this album. And I looked at the lyrics, amazing. What he was showing me was uh, the Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle. Really? And he said, uh, this guy, he's, uh, he records on Columbia, and I, he can't get arrested. He said, <laughs> I've been, he's got two albums out now. And I've been promoting these albums, trying to get radio to play it. There's some good stuff on here. Just look at these lyrics. And, and we can't get anywhere with this guy. He said he's recording. He says right now he's recording his third album. And if that doesn't, if something doesn't happen with that, he's done. He's gone. Of course, the third album he was working on that summer was Born to Run. Right. Obviously, it was good stuff. From 1983 to 1990, uh, I worked for a, uh, a video production house in uh, New York mm -hmm. and did a lot of that I, I did a lot of music videos there the owner of the, it was called Revo Studios the owner was a guy named Barry Revo who had one of the first Sony Porta Packs uh, back in the early 70s mm -hmm. and he was friends with Bruce Springsteen and he felt that, they, that there was something special about Bruce and so he took his Sony Porta Pack to all of Bruce's gigs 
mm-hmm. and recorded him, just recorded hours and hours and hours. And for instance, there there's one tape that he showed me that at Max's Kansas City on audition night. That's like it's when just anybody could play. Mm-hmm. And um, guy gets up to the microphone. He's and uh, he's quiet. He quiets down the audience. Says, Let me have your attention. Let's because he's a young songwriter from New Jersey here. You know, give him give him your attention and stop talking. Bruce Springsteen. Bruce comes out with an acoustic guitar, says hi, he's very shy, and then he plays Growing Up for, for people who have never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. Now, that summer that, that I moved here, Springsteen played The Bottom Line, which is when they were just finishing the Born to Run album, and it's a great performance with the entire East Street Band, but the, the cool thing listening to it now, because I have a tape, I, I, I knew enough to record it off the radio, because mm-hmm. it was on uh, WNEW, so I recorded the whole concert off the, off the radio, and the cool thing is that when he, he says, here's a, song, here's a new song, watch it here, and he start, they start Born to Run, and nobody has heard it before, so there's no recognition for the first time, for the only time ever, there's no, the audience isn't going, oh, he's playing Born to Run. They've never heard it before. Right. <laughs> wow. When I worked for Revo, he was trying to sell all these tapes to Bruce, and Bruce came over one day to look at all this stuff. And so I met him, hung out with him, reparked his car, uh, old Z28. Mm-hmm. Um, nice, nice, nice guy. And he did finally buy this footage. And if you go on um, Netflix and uh, look for this two two films they made out of it, um, Promised Land and The Making of Born to Run. And that's all uh, that's all Barry's footage that he shot while they were recording Born to Run. And that is a great documentary. They 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 took six months to mix that song. Wow. And he was just driving people crazy. Well, that's why the song is just so, I don't know if perfect is the word, but it's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a version of perfect. Yeah. But in the film, uh, little Steven says, it should have taken us three hours to fix that.
near perfect, right? This is the one that put Bruce into the light for those who weren't already hip to his cool and rowdy vibe. Now, my friend Kim outside Nashville, who is younger than me, so much younger than me, told me that she got turned on to this great music that we hear on Tales Vinyl Tells by listening through her sister's bedroom door. I guess the sister had it cranked up a little bit. She took the advice. And my friend Kat said that she liked, quote, having a cold one, sitting on my wonderful deck, enjoying the weather and podcast 10, watching the birds and chickens, dogs at my feet. Doesn't get any better, end quote. Frida in Port Washington, Wisconsin, is listening to Tales Vinyl Tales. So are Annalise and Audrey on the Big Island in Hawaii. Aloha and mahalo. Now, they all get notifications when a new episode of Tales Vinyl Tales is ready for ad-free listening and free download so you can listen anytime, anywhere, and you can too. How do you know when there's a new Tales Vinyl Tales episode ready for you? Well, you could join the Tales Vinyl Tales Album Club on Facebook, or you could email me at talesvinyltales at gmail.com, or call and leave a message at 615-581-7682. This is Tales Vinyl Tales. An election time is here in 2020, and your vote counts. Be sure you're registered and that your contact information on file is correct. Do that by checking with your county board of elections or election commission, or on the internet, go to vote.org. If you want to see what's on the upcoming primaries and general elections, you can search 2020 sample ballot and then enter your county and state. So use your voice, your vote, and make a good choice. Read the ballots before you go vote or before you mail in your ballot, because your vote counts. Now let's get back to hear more Tales Vinyl Tales. And what stories they do tell. Back to our chat with longtime friend Bill Davis, and I asked him about his film and music production and what music he was listening to these days and where he's living now. Rock City Films still exists. The most recent thing that I've done has been to make music videos of my own songs. One of them, I'll, I'll plug them, one of them is a, uh, a protest song. Uh, these are on YouTube. It's called Deep State. And um, the other one is uh, it's called Euro Girls, and it's uh, sort of an electronic music. It, the song is honoring the the great women of European film, Bardot and Sophia Loren, and so they're all in the vid- in the video. It's a cute one. It features a, a robot band, which uh, is basically me and my wife and a girl down the street in costumes and masks. It's sort of a craftwork type of thing. My main radio station uh, is Channel 36, uh, uh, Sirius XM, and 
I, I just, I love Tame Impala, Killers, you know, so many new things. Uh, and some, it's really, there's really good music now. We go through periods where we don't have such good music, mm-hmm. but this is a period of really good music, yeah. Half a, half a century later. And I've, I've uh, started writing and recording um, music myself now after a 20-year absence. I've got a recording studio in the house, and I've written some pretty good stuff lately. Good. Well, I've, I've heard... I've myself. Well, and, and you're certainly welcome to say that. Well, I remember you were always, and I'm, I'm sure you still are, it sounds like, a very, very creative individual. I remember you won some awards back in the early 70s for some of the advertisements that you came up with at Mother. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you remember that, don't you? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, we, had, we all had fun making the ads, and I think I drafted you to drag you in the, you know, read this or, you know, Make, make it sound like a motorcycle, you know. <laughs> that was you. That, well, you were doing the motorcycle. I remember a Kawasaki and Yamaha ad that you did somewhere along the line. And, uh, you know, it was like, Kawasaki, Yamaha, you know, that kind of. <laughs> yeah, very, very creative. And you're still being creative. I think that's just just incredible. You now are living just outside of New York City. Is that right? That's true. And you were in the city for a long time, weren't you? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, until just a few years ago, we lived in the village. And you, uh, at one point, worked at a, you know, a fairly important, is that the word? Yeah, I will say important recording studio. Oh, well, when I first moved up here, not knowing anybody, I stayed in a flea bag uh, hotel in the village and discovered that on the other side of that block was Electric Lady Studios. (laughs) And I dropped a a resume there, and they gave me a job. Wow. I just, I I didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything. Uh, In Florida, I had tried to get a job at a recording studio at Criteria in Miami, Mm -hmm. and they didn't, you know, I didn't didn't even get in the door there. But all of a sudden, I've got a job at Electric Lady, um, one of the first they put me on. I sort of accidentally got um, to work on Led Zeppelin's uh, Song Remains the Same, a live album. Uh, the whole band was there. I became friends with all of them. I met an awful lot of people. It was, it was exciting. I can certify the excitement. Euro Girls with Bridget Bardot, Sophia Loren, Ingrid Bergman, Diana Rigg from The Avengers. Videos on YouTube on Rock City Films 3 search for Euro Girls.
And now here's one from Bill's current playlist on Tales Vinyl Tells. From Australia, it's Kevin Parker and Tame Impala.
we were hearing the stories that the estimated 10,000 albums in the library at Mother were telling. Now, we're telling those tales, vinyl tales. Bill and I worked together at Mother, WMUM-FM in Palm Beach, actually South Lake Worth, with some very cool and really nice people. They were about our age. And the station was about a stone's throw from the Blue Atlantic and Lake Worth's Municipal Pier. That radio station, WMUM, was truly magical for any who worked there and listened to it. Now, here's some more of our chat. Flashing back, you met some uh, some young rockers from, from Macon, Georgia, uh, back in the early 70s. And I, you've told me the story a couple of times. Would, would you mind telling us the story about meeting uh, those boys? Well, well, this was, I had, uh, I was going to, to college uh, in, in 1969, 1970. I was going to college in Boca Raton at Florida Atlantic University. And I, I had had some jobs in radio, in AM radio. So when this FM station came on the air, I thought, I, you know, I'm qualified to give them a, a resume. So I did. And I got hired. And I, uh, this was just, I had been there a couple of weeks. And I think you were uh, doing your, your show on the AM side, Bill. And our uh, record company promoter, that uh, he had this young band, young Florida band, that they just released their first album and they were going to be playing at uh, uh, Captain Alex's Seafood Restaurant in West Palm Beach. <laughs> and he wanted us, he, he had a table for us. He wanted us to come see them so that we would maybe play their record on the radio. Mike Zyre, who was one of the, the first ones at Mother, and I went to Captain Alex's and we saw the Allman Brothers. They had two drummers up on this little stage. The whole place held maybe 50 people. And, they, oh, my gosh, they blew the roof off that place. <laughs> but, you know, they're playing. If you listen to the Fillmore East concert, which was not that much after that, that's what they were playing, you know? They yeah. did 20 minutes of whipping post, and then this <laughs> and that. And then um, because they were trying to, you know, they were trying to pitch us, uh, Dwayne Allman and Barry Oakley... Uh, sat down to a steak dinner with me and Mike Sire at Captain Alex's, and they paid for it. So we had a, we had a nice meal with them. Four guys. It wasn't long after that that both of them left us. Yeah. Uh, but it was great to be able to meet them. They were, you know, really nice guys. They were all nice guys. What a great memory. Were you with us when we were smoking the front porch of the radio station and discovered the FBI and the bushes taking pictures of us? Yes. <laughs> That yes. Yeah, a bunch of we radicals. Look that. Look that. <laughs> walk out there, and this guy with a camera jumps up and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that an amazing location, though, for a radio station? Oh, forget about oh. it. I, I had uh, one time I was working there, and the girlfriend walks in dripping wet. She says, I got some, some friends of mine, girlfriends of mine, uh, in a speedboat right down here you want to go water skiing i said sure so i just walked right out the front door down to the beach put the skis on and, and went out behind them <laughs> yeah I, I used to work uh 
like I said, we split the weekends, my brother and I, on Sunday morning, which was sometimes very difficult after Saturday night, but on, on Sunday morning, we'd have a lot of religious services, you know, public public affairs, I think they called them. Yeah, of but, course. Yeah, you put on like an hour-long tape of a, of a service, and I'd go down to the beach, and I'd go surfing or go swimming or go over to the pier and have breakfast, whatever. But yeah. that was that was pretty delirious, to say the very least. Well, I remember uh, I used to um, put on a long record and run to the pier and get a hot dog mm-hmm. uh, because they they had the uh, they had mother playing. They always had mother playing through the loudspeakers up on the on the poles, mm-hmm. so you know you could keep track of what was going on while you're there. Mm-hmm. So I put on I uh, I put on a yes record and went to the went to the pier. I get to the pier and the damn thing is skipping. <laughs> it's skipping over the air. And so I had to hightail it back inside. <laughs> Stoned again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, memories that, that we share include a trip to South America, a trip to Colombia. Yeah, that was my second trip. I know. Well, I got thrown in jail. Yeah, that was the reason that we went back there, so you could settle your debt. Well, I had I wanted to take, uh, there was this one, one fellow that I met in jail who was uh, who hooked me up with the former governor of the province, who was a lawyer, who got me out. And so I certainly owed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I started taking some money. So I went back down, and turned out he'd been released. And he certainly appreciated the money. He needed it. His wife was sick, and, and uh, it was the perfect time to go back. And when we did go back, we had quite a, an entourage. We had seven or eight people with us, something like that. Yeah, we did, yeah. really. A, a lot of us went on to uh, Bogota.
such a fool And I just stand by and take it, baby You've done, but nothing seemed to change. The bad times stay the same. Horses and ladies by the score, all dressed in satin and waiting by the door. Ooh, what a lucky man he was! Ooh, what a lucky man. They made up his bed A gold-covered mattress On which he was led Ooh, what a lucky man he was
and wars for his country and his king of his honor and his glory the people would sing Have you taken the time yet to download H.B. Halsey's first ebook in the Russ Raxter series? Well, it's called High Seas and Green Trees, Journey from the Grove, and other short stories. And it's a free download right now at Smashwords and Amazon, or probably wherever you get your ebooks. It's an adventure from Coconut Grove in Miami into the Biscayne Bay and a tempest at sea. Six friends are going on a ceremonial sail to say goodbye to a friend. Did I mention it was free? High Seas and Green Trees Journey from the Grove is free where you download your ebooks. We're telling the tales vinyl tells. Finals are definitely telling some tales today, wouldn't you agree? Our final segment of my conversation with my friend Bill Davis now, and I'm not sure the question is answered sufficiently, but I'll let you make that call. Are you retired or what are you doing? Well, I know you're doing your videos. I work every day, but I don't work for anybody, so I don't know if that classifies as being retired or I have stuff to do every day. I make steampunk stuff. I've got 
been going into a museum next week. I write, I work on music every single day and record writing and recording. I uh, do, do film work, um, do, do a bunch of other things, community things. I don't think I ever could retire. And you live in a cool community that has quite a bit of history. Do you want to elaborate on that? Oh yeah, briefly. I uh, I live in a place called Llewellyn Park, which was the first the first what do you call it controlled community private community it was it was made in 1850. It was supposed to be a utopia within sight of Manhattan, and it uh, still exists. It's a it's a park. It was designed by the people who ten years later built Central Park. Uh, Thomas Edison lived here. In fact, he's still here. He's buried in his backyard. This podcast was really stirred up when I started making some notes and trying to figure out you know, what direction to go. What I was finding out was as I was going through these albums, the memories that these albums contained were just, uh, I think a, a word might be voluminous. You read the, the liner notes and there are people on the liner notes that I'm reading now that I had no idea they were on that album or, or that they were going to play with so-and-so and so-and-so. It's like, you know, okay, our our uh, our friends with the group Game, George Terry, yeah. Eddie Keating, Leslie Ring, Chuck Kirkpatrick, and Scott Kirkpatrick. Uh, yeah. I think George that was Terry. George Terry. George, yes. Went on to play with Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. He was also. I see a lot of studio work that he's done. Like, and, he, and he wrote the song Mainline Florida. That is absolutely right. Give him a star. You're right. Uh, amazing guitarist. You know, to hear him play. George Harrison licks. It was like, wow, close your eyes and there's George. Oh, yeah. well, he, uh, he gave me, uh, he was trying to teach me to play guitar at one point and, and I bought a Gibson 12 string from him. Chuck Kirkpatrick actually has a Facebook page too and I think it actually is game or the game page or something like that. Well, are, you, uh, are you familiar with the Limestone Lounge? Yes. Yeah, Chuck was very active there. Okay. I uh, think that's actually where I kind of got pulled back in a couple years ago, back into that era of mother and that chatter, uh, you know, about radio in South Florida, you know, in the uh, early, early 70s. Um, Chuck was uh, Chuck was in game, but he was also an engineer at Criteria, especially. He, he worked, yeah, he worked on Derek the Dominant. He worked on the Layla LP. Now listen, we got off the topic here. You haven't given me my answer yet. Tell me about moving from the AM to the Olympic side. Oh boy. Um, Tristan, come over here. Come over here and do a show. Gosh, I don't know. I I really don't have a memory of that. You know, when I was on the AM side, you you couldn't help but be affected by, um, you know, sitting in the chair in the AM studio, the big window in front of you, you remember that big room with like four or five desks, and and you know you see people coming in. I remember the Edgar Winter group was there with uh, yeah. uh, Dan Hartman, and there were other you know professional-looking people. I say professional because they looked like they were in the music business who were in there. It was just a very busy thing to look at, and then you would have all the girls, all the girls. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt about that. But you would have to go through that big room. To get to the to the FM studio, I know. And and I was definitely, I mean, I was digging the crap out of what was going on at Mother, 
and I got to know the people who, you know, were involved in it, were on the air there. And so I would I would go over and I would borrow albums to bring over to the AM side to play like, yeah, you know, to play long cuts, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, for the life of me right now, I really don't remember how I got to go to work over there, but um, I did spend well, some time. It, it was something simple, like somebody left and we and we went, let's get Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was you know fate for sure. It wasn't uh, it wasn't talent so much. <laughs> but, but you well, know, we all, we all liked you and you had a good show and, and you know you were in the bullpen. Yeah, we were, were ready to go. Exactly. Uh, I knew the equipment. You know, there was uh, there was a time over there. You know, before Mother came on the air, when it was still the the wonderful world of stereo, to just be in the same building with all that coolness going on. Because when Mother was was really happening, I remember Nepenthe and Nepenthe's brother were were very big sponsors. Uh, but you know, we we were doing cool things. We were really pushing recycling, and I'm still a big recycler here at the house. It's amazing how the bottles and the cans and the plastic pile up. And whether it's doing any good or not, I'm just not sure, but it's what I'm doing. And that was that was really part of the influence that came out of Mother. And it, it, you know, it was, a, it was the beginning of the awakening. I remember there was a Frisbee contest and- uh, Well, that was what got me to New York. Really? Yeah, because, uh, well, Warner Brothers Films came to us and said, we'll give you uh, tickets to, uh, to give away in a contest to go to New York to meet John Wayne because this John Wayne film was coming out and they said we could have uh, the tickets. So I had the idea for a Frisbee contest. We had a Frisbee contest and then uh, I think Roby Dunn was the, was the, uh, the manager at that point. Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He said, well, they, they, we have an extra ticket. She says, uh, since you came up with the contest, why don't you go? So, so, I, got to go, so I got to go to New York
Bill Davis, thanks for taking some time for us here at Tales Vinyl Tales. It has been a funner and more adventurous life knowing you and hanging out with you. Thanks again for the memories. What's coming up on our next and future Tales Vinyl Tales? Well, we're going to have more interviews, salutes to great cities, and salutes to great writers and artists. Our time for this episode, though, of Tales Vinyl Tales is running out, and we're going to close this one out with the band. Hopefully it's not our last waltz. Remember to join the Tales Vinyl Tales album club and get the word when there's a new episode ready to download or stream. See you on number 15. Take care, stay well, and don't be afraid to replay this to hear it again.
That's a lot of classic jams for you today. Glad you stayed with us and hope you loved the show. Join other listeners and we'll let you know when a new episode of Tales Vinyl Tells drops. You can join Tales Vinyl Tells Album Club on Facebook, email us at talesvinyltells at gmail.com, or call and leave a message at 615-581-7682. I'm Brian. It's been my blast. Hope you enjoyed it. Catch you next time.